0: This goes without saying, but there is a huge divide between the haves and the have-nots. Here's what matters. Live from my coronavirus social distancing outpost, I'm Robert Saranbets, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. And that includes Mainstays Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. By sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of September 14, 2020. And you may have noticed a slightly different introduction than normal this week. Don't worry. Lauren hasn't gone anywhere other than camping in Colorado, and she'll be back next week for another great script of Market Matters uh, podcast session. But while she's out, I thought that we could use this time to revisit a concept that we've talked about here on the program before, and that's investing after COVID-19. Joining me to help tackle this slightly complicated topic is New York Life Investments multi-asset portfolio manager, Mr. Amit Soni. Amit, thanks for joining me today.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Okay, okay. When we first introduced this concept of our show, talking about uh, investing after COVID, we proposed a whole range of shapes that the economic recovery could take. The V, the L, or the U. You remember that?
1: Absolutely. We put together multiple top-down portfolios based on the potential shapes that a recovery can take.
0: We? It was more like you. For our new listeners, we ran a special episode this summer called Investing Ideas for Every Shape of the Recovery. I highly suggest you all go back and give it a listen. But in the meantime, Amit, you want to give us the gist of what we did?
1: Sure. So we analyzed mostly V, L, and k shape scenarios. V shaped for investors who believe that uh, we may see a sharp recovery to pre-COVID levels, both in the economy and in the markets. Uh, L-shaped, which implies uh, mostly lingering in the persistent bear market territory, and K-shaped environment where uh, markets will be mostly range-bound, but there will be clear winners and losers as a result of the crisis.
0: And so how did we go about building these portfolios?
1: So what we did was uh, we used a combination of past data and current macroeconomic trends to build these optimal portfolios. So, for example, for the V and the L-shaped portfolios, we looked at historical data and analyzed how assets performed during either prolonged bear markets or uh, quick recoveries. And for the K shaped portfolios, we also analyzed how uh, the current market trends can be exacerbated by the, by the COVID crisis.
0: Yes, yes, I remember. And, and in this episode, we also happened to suggest that the economic recovery would likely take a K shape with some companies thriving and other companies just barely surviving. So, Amit, do you think that turned out to be the case?
1: It certainly did. And it can be seen in the macroeconomic data that we have seen so far. So, on the one hand, you know, things like uh, existing home sales and uh, manufacturing PMIs are back to pre COVID levels, while you have other data such as consumer confidence and uh, small business sales, which are still lingering at their lows.
0: Yeah, yikes. Did it turn out to be true then for capital markets as well?
1: Uh, even more so, actually. So the best example of this crisis creating winners and losers can be seen in the dispersion between growth and value equities. So you know, these are highly correlated, and usually their correlation runs between 0.9 to 1. But uh, recently, that correlation has dropped all the way to negative, below zero. And this happened last time at the height of the, the dot-com bubble which was in 99 2000.
0: Wow, that is super interesting. So what we're talking about here is the difference between companies that have really fast earnings growth and companies that might trade at a discount relative to their historical pricing. Um, and and the fact that they're just uncorrelated I think is uh, representative of of the main difference between the winners and losers of this crisis. But notwithstanding the recent sell-off, which we'll get to in a second. Um, why do you think this strategy, the, the K-shaped strategy, has been the top performer?
1: Yeah, so the K-shaped portfolio out, outperformed between one5 to 2% uh, for the first two months of the, the third quarter. It's uh, the easy monetary and physical stimulus that has uh, definitely provided the market and the economy with the much-needed support, which benefited equities and high yield. Uh, and this portfolio was overweight in these asset classes.
0: Uh, so the portfolio was already taking risk, but you also said that the pandemic was a disruptive force. Is that what we've seen as the impetus for the divergence among you know sub-asset class levels that were in that portfolio?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So COVID has definitely exacerbated several trends, uh, including the one towards digitization that we have seen in the past 10 years. As a result, in the second quarter, uh, the top five uh, mega cap tech companies—they actually grew their EPS, while the entire rest of the market saw their earnings decline by over twenty to thirty percent.
0: Wow! So uh, the top five companies—you know—they're really capturing this work from home trend. Uh, do you think that this has not only benefited the the top companies, but the acceleration in trends has impacted the underperformers as well?
1: It certainly has, and it can be seen the most in the in the retail and the energy sector. Uh, In the retail sector, we have seen more than 40 bankruptcies so far this year. And the energy sector now is the smallest sector in the S&P 500 index at only a weight of 2.2%. And it wasn't so long ago, only back in 2013, ExxonMobil, which is an energy company, was the biggest company in the world by market capitalization, and it alone commanded a weight of three percent in the S and P 500 index, larger than the entire energy sector right now.
0: Wow, that's that's a huge uh, difference in such a short period of time. We've heard people before talk about how this crisis has really accelerated trends um, that should have taken decades that actually happen to just occur in a year. Um, but now we have the benefit of hindsight; we can see six months later that the economic and social trends that did accelerate during the pandemic have caused a major shift in the business environment and benefited the high growth technologies that you talked about and hurt some other parts of the market, as you just talked about. So what do you make of the pullback that we're seeing in the growth area of the market and the tech area of the market that had been doing so well?
1: Yeah. So even though the crisis has definitely benefited these tech growth companies, uh, we believe that all of these have run ahead of their underlying fundamentals at this point. And um, what you're seeing in the market right now is kind of a recalibration and evaluation of these companies. Very justifiable. So, in some examples where we have seen huge price surges just because of you know, stock splits or index inclusion.
0: Now is a good a time as ever for our portfolio pause a section of the program where we share an investment idea. And today, it's a bit obvious. It's going to be how an investor can capture this broad divergence between the haves and the have-nots in the marketplace. Um, again, strongly encourage you to take a look back at our old episode to see what we said this summer about this trend. Uh, but today, I want to talk about one key item uh, that's lurking in the background, and that's
1: uh,
0: an attribute. It's, it's quality.
1: Definitely, quality companies are highly desirable in an uncertain environment like right now. You know, high profitability and strong balance sheets. Uh, but as we discussed before, a lot of these have run ahead of their underlying fundamentals at this point.
0: Uh, so so investors have recognized quality as a good attribute and so they've bid up the price. Um, so what other factors do you think look attractive at the moment? ESG maybe?
1: yeah ESG is certainly an area benefiting from this uh, from a structural tailwind right now. Uh, the idea that a company should include environmental and social costs in addition to profits in their processes is getting more and more momentum, and more institutional and even individual investors are including ESG factors in their investment process. Uh, we think uh, this uh, this trend is likely to continue and even in the last three years, we have seen assets doubled uh, in this area.
0: Wow, that is a tremendous growth rate. And like you said, I think it's only been sped up. Every crisis, um, whether it was the global financial crisis or the depression or um, other the, the tech bubble back in two thousands, they have a fundamental effect, changing uh, the allocation of resources among stakeholders and shareholders. And I think this crisis is no exception at all. Investors are definitely now more conscious of the importance of incorporating non-standard risks into their investment framework. And if you increase the timeline long enough, as we've talked about, these non-standard risks actually become financial risks. And we've seen that play out during the COVID crisis because it accelerated the timeline. So now we know that corporations that fail to transform their business models to focus on an, an environmental impact or a social good or solid governance will definitely be replaced by others that have that flexibility to thrive in a new world that values smart, clean, or healthy activities. Coming up this week, LG is coming back just in time for Fed Day on Wednesday. Uh, So I know that I have to comment on this because she would be disappointed if I didn't mention it to you all today. Chair Powell laid out a new policy framework last time he spoke at his Jackson Hole speech a few weeks back. Um, I know she'll be watching this upcoming Fed Fed talk for clues on just how exactly the Fed intends to bring inflation higher in the following years. Um, and is there anything you're going to be watching this week that could impact markets?
1: Yeah. Uh, so with several uh, candidates going through vaccine candidates going through phase three trials right now. Uh, it's really critical, and we are watching developments on this front. Uh, this will have a major impact on the markets uh, and the global economy.
0: Awesome. Amit, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You did a great job.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And that's it for today. Lauren and I will both be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have any questions on a topic of interest, please reach out to us on social media. You can send any questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. And you can also follow our views at nylinvestments.com forward slash blog. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz, in partnership with Lauren Goodwin. We'll see you next time.
2: Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.